Hi, I'm Scott Gooding and welcome to The Good Podcast. My guest today is Natalie Isaac, founder of One Million Women. I met Natalie at a luncheon at the end of last year hosted by Harper's Bazaar. It pulled people together to encourage the conversation on climate change. Natalie spoke at the event and her words resonated with Matilda and I. It was the simplicity that struck us. Just do what you can. As an individual, we can be disarmed by the enormity of the crisis, but one million women break it down into manageable tasks and actions we can all embrace. I hope you enjoy the podcast with Natalie Isaacs. It's about, obviously we'll talk about one million women, Yeah. but I guess I would like to start with, and it can go in any direction, but get to know you as well, Yeah. and then obviously what you do, and that will segue into one million women. Yep, okay, alrighty. So you've yeah. just been away? I went to um, Bangkok for um, um, this... Full moon party. No, but um, but it, w- it was uh, it was this. I was a speaker at um, a, it was like a writers' festival. Uh-huh. Yeah, and so um, and yeah, it was it was beautiful. It was a beautiful. I've never done something like that before. Yeah, so right. it was really it was a really beautiful thing to do. Yeah, right. And to actually meet people that are in the climate space because mm. you tend to. You know, you, you have almost like tunnel vision. Yeah, because you, what your and, message is and what yeah. your audience is. And, and also you think that because you're surrounded by like-minded people everywhere, you just think the world has got the it's point tuned this. in. Yeah, yeah, because that's who surrounds you. Yeah. And so it's nice to be somewhere where climate actually isn't the focus. Right. But to see that climate is bubbling there in 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 it, almost everything, yeah, right. every conversation I was having, every stall, even in book, um, you know, when I was listening to other authors talking, it, it climate change was in there. Yeah, right. You know? Even though their topic and subject was... Wasn't. Yeah, right. And so it's, it's, it's just part of people's consciousness, whereas, which was really refreshing and nice to see. Mm. Yeah, they're not blind to it and they haven't got the blinkers on. Yeah. Because you, you honestly and the, the think... internationals guess It was mainly... Um, it was, it, yes, a few. A few international. And then a lot of uh, Southeast Asia. No one from China. Right. <laughs> so... They were quarantined. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, they were. Um, so, yes, so that was... Um, so you were there as a... A speaker for my because book. You've re- oh, okay. Yeah. Well, tell me about that. Uh, so I wrote the. It's called Every Woman's Guide to Saving the Planet, uh, and I wrote it. Um, I launched it. Was it last year? I'm Through kind Harper of Collins. slowly connecting the dots now because I think we have that. You've got that book. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It's actually my story on how I got to the point on climate change, and the journey of that. What? How you go from, you know, a place of total inaction right you know complete 
yeah, in action to the camp of actually running a movement yeah, yeah, and yeah. how how did that? Because it's no small movement now. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's a beast, right? Yeah, it's it's nine hundred fifty thousand, so it's fifty thousand short of a million. But and, and what's the take up rate? Is it sort of a hundred a day, two hundred a day? Like it, it is. Um, it depends on what we're doing. Right. It depends on what we're doing. Um, it's we we think we don't worry about it so much anymore because we have we've got ninety five nine hundred fifty thousand um, in our community, but there were four million people read our blog last year, yeah, wow. and um, three million we reach three million every week on social media. That's so incredible. I have actually just tried to forget about the numbers now and yeah if, make... if could you get kind of would that sort of um rat, rattle you a little bit knowing the the reach and the magnitude of could you kind of could you then or would it then sort of determine what you put out or influence what you put yeah out? it actually it, it you, it, you have to be really careful yeah because, there's a greater duty of care almost yeah like. because you you need you need the reach and the numbers so that you you are engaging more and more people every day people that are not engaged in this issue um, you know we're trying to reach women and and men like women and men but we are a women's movement but we try to reach people that are just not engaged in this issue so whatever way we can hook them in mm. we do mm. But we have to be careful that we don't get obsessed by the numbers so yeah. that all we're doing is things to try and get the numbers. Yeah. And it's it's always this juggling act. Yeah, that's probably a pretty fine line, right? Yeah. If you want to produce content, you want it to be um, advocating the, the initiative, advocating the, the, the movement. Yeah. But you don't want to just create content for the sake of creating content for getting numbers. and Exactly. Yeah, it's quite a tricky line it's such it's 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 you know you have to run a business and you have to change the world and um and you've got to you've got to do it all with with strategy you know <laughs> so with that strategy like you were just saying before we before we started that it'd be nice to get to the point where you can kind of remove yourself from almost the day-to-day -day, like all the multitude of decisions i'm sure you have to make yeah so do you do you have a team or is it yeah. just... Yeah, right. I have got the most glorious team. Yeah, there's wow. six of us. And um, plus there's volunteers, uh, there's interns, there's... Right. Um, and there's our, you know, community, yeah. which are really engaged yeah. on, on every level. But um, but we're only this tiny team. When, when people come to the office... We share office space, which is a beautiful way to work. Um, and, and the last place we shared was with the YWCA, who really looked after us for right. um, a few years. Have they dropped the C now? I heard that last week that they've dropped the Christian. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, right. I actually, yeah. not, but, but they, they were just so generous and looked after us. And they had this huge office. and. We were five in one little the corner. Little chairs in the corner, yeah. yeah. And when um, 
people would come for job interviews for us or... Oh, it look good, right? Like, they would go and think... Palatial. Whoa, you have all... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go, no, we're, we're yeah, just that little... We're just those five. Five over in that corner. Um, so people think we're a lot bigger than what we are because right. we have a really big community. Yeah. But it was but always... But it would have been you for a, yeah. most of that time, right? Yeah. The first... Because you've just celebrated your Saint Attil 10 years. Yeah, 10 years. Yeah, so that's a long time. It's a long time, but when how, I... How did it start? Like a blog or like a... Yeah, yeah. well, I um, it started in 2009 and I, I, um, I was a cosmetics manufacturer for 24 oh, really? years. Yeah, so a very different life. Yeah, right. And, um, and really different... It, even because I, I, I did that for, t- for such a long yeah. time of my... It was actually my only job. Right. I started... Straight from school or sta- college Straight from school. Or yeah. um, I you know, did a couple of things, but it was only to lead me to starting my own cosmetics company. Oh, it was your own? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. I started it. It was called Natalie. Right. And, um, and we... And the philosophy... The philosophy was really beautiful. It was it was all about um, health and well being, right. and that to be honestly and truly beautiful, it has to come from within. And right. it doesn't matter what you put on your skin if you don't marry it up with inner health What's and beauty, inside, and, yeah. um, and happiness and joy and all that from the inside it makes deadly shit what you put on your face. Like I I, I honestly believe that and. And so I built this cosmetics company around that belief. Right. And um, I, and looking back on that now, it's almost the same way as I started One Million Women because, mm. you know, when you think about the the world and the earth and us and the part we play in this, everything is interconnected. Mm. And um, and if one part of the value chain falls apart or lets you down or weakens, the entire thing could fall. Yeah, right. And I, I had that same idea when I started my cosmetics company. But... but how, do you, how, do you, like, how do you start a cosmetics company? Like that's, don't you need like a production facility? And yeah, well... How I, do you even know how to make the... Or we white labeling? Like, how does that work? Oh, my goodness. It is actually a really long story, but... Um, okay, but the very short story of yeah. the long story is when I was 19, I went to London, and um, and I did my big, you know, backpack tour of, of um, you know, the UK and the, the Europe, and, and my dad said to me, okay, when you come back, while you're over there, look for... A business idea, right? Um, and bring it back when you come back. Do do something that you found overseas. Uh, okay, Dad. Is that something that he mirrored, like? Yeah, yeah, Because right. we were, yeah. My dad always had his own business. My mum always had her own business, or they worked together, or you know, they. So it was kind of the way. I didn't go to uni or do anything right. like that. I just so I went overseas and. And the body shop oh, yeah. um, started when I was overseas. I used to get my nut butter from there. The, the shea butter? Was it the shea butter? That's the name of my daughter. <laughs> I think it was, yeah. I used to love it. Because yeah. I grew up in the UK. Oh. So I used to go there and get the... Yeah. Maybe not nut butter. That's what you make, isn't it? That's blending but nuts. They, but they, yeah, I know like they a, had a shea butter... Yeah, it would have been that one. Product. Love but, it. Well, 
they went from one shop to seven while I was in, in living in London. And and I I used to actually just go into their store and just stand there mm. and smell the aromas and the philosophy was such a it was so new. They were, you know, she, Anita Roddick, was pioneering something mm. that that was was just it was so new, this concept mm. of well being and relaxation for for your um, you know, for your inner peace and mm. serenity and beauty mm. and all of that. And so I thought, that's what I'll do. I'll come home and I'll start my own cosmetics company and I'll do shops just like Anita Roddick. And I got into this, um, um, this uh, what, concept called aromatherapy, oh, yeah. which is the art of using pure plant extracts for health and well-being. And, you know, lavender is for, for relaxation and black pepper is for um, muscular aches and pains and rose is for the complexion and things. And, and I really studied it a lot. And I came home and thought, okay, this is my idea. I'm going to start shops. They're going to be like Egyptian, not tombs, but I'm going to have oils in the sand in the windows and people are going to come in and it's going to be this. They're not going to want to leave. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And and, um, and I I come from Brisbane and, and in Brisbane at the time, this whole, like the beauty business was clinical, white walls, people in white uniforms yeah. and it was a very stiff... As it still is if you walk through you know, David Jones yeah. or it's still kind of that. It's still kind of that but in the 80s when I came back to start this, mind you I had not one cent. Right. But why should that stop me? Yeah, why should that stop me? <laughs> and I came back and I thought okay now's the time and it was a perfect time because this whole concept of relaxation for health and well-being began and right. relaxation centers and yoga centers and spas retreats and, and spas and color and all that began to happen and and it was at the time when I started Natalie um, which was which was Natalie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah so and yeah so and I and be, I I didn't raise the money. I didn't get shops, but I managed to get money from friends and I started with 10 products and I party planned them and I'd go around to people's houses and I would sell these 10 products and, and then it grew and I got a manufacturing company to work with me and... So that, that initial stage of curating a product, a cream or whatever it is, like there must be a lot of product development in that and um, testing, trialling, yeah, getting there, it right, getting it wrong. Yeah, there was, but... Because you can't go online and say, look at how to make... No, and you couldn't go online anyway back Yeah, then. that's what I mean. Yeah, like, we were still... when A fax, someone would send me a yeah, fax and yeah. I thought, Ooh, a fax! <laughs> I, you, I don't have to drive to yeah. your... And also, the design, the design... I don't know if you've ever watched Mad Men... But that that show on you know with yeah, John yeah. Hammond, literally when I was designing Natalie, it was designers with these flip you know charts saying okay we could yeah. here's one look or yeah. you couldn't go 
can you just move that to the right a yeah. bit or that font's a little bit yeah you couldn't do any of that yeah. you just went no, like you either like it or you don't <laughs> yeah yeah let's it, go with that yeah. yeah and um but but the thing about skincare okay this is way off track no, that's but good. is that it actually is meant to be simplistic you know you we well, I guess it's like, from my perspective, it's like food. If something's got a whole gamut of ingredients, it probably means that it's not that great for you. Yeah. It's far removed from nature and its yeah. most natural state. It's probably the same. Oh my goodness, it is yeah. exactly the same. It's exactly the way mm. that you you look at and appreciate food. Um, and I, I, I think it's exactly the same philosophy. Mm. Mm. Because um, because it should be simple, and um, and so I, that's how I used to work with these simple products, and they weren't complex. They were just oils with oils, and but then I sold my soul to the devil, and right. I created 150 products in Natalie. Wow. Three other fast fashion brands that I sold to all the department store chains. Right. That were. Um, and I did it all for money right. because, um, and not that that worked <laughs> very well either, but, yeah. um, but it was, um, yeah, it was a, it was a strange time because I, I had this beautiful brand that I believed in with so much heart and soul and to help keep that alive, I would have these other brands that were just fast fashion brands all Financial the things pr- propping yeah. the, that the, in the, the end the it, didn't, it, it didn't work because um I, I i i nurtured natalie for 10 years and thought okay it can it can stand up its own two feet now and then um and then you know the big department stores would they they just seduced me to do these christmas brands you know will give you huge orders and um, never, and never really worked out that way, or it it did, and and it did work. But when once I started to really understand what I was doing, um, you know, like I would be do I would do crazy things. Like I would go to the so the the, the process was that um, around Christmas time I would present my products. For next Christmas to the buyers of department stores and I mean every department store in Australia everyone um, and I'd go in and I'd have my products and I and so at this point you've got like 150 so Natalie was bubbling along in beauty salons these were different brands uh-huh. so um, one was called no ordinary girl another one was called love is and they were or living is and so they still came from a place of empowerment and inspiration because that's what I was doing, you know, with, with the brands. There still was heart and soul in the brand. Mm. But I wanted to empower young um, young girls to believe in themselves and to have confidence. And so we'd have these, this brand, No Ordinary Girl, meaning, you know, you're a no ordinary girl and here's a little poem and... And here's a, a lip gloss that's got swirly things in it or glitter, which, you know, is bad for the environment. Um, or it would be a spell box about friendship and it would have a little friendship ring and yeah, a right. little poem about friendship. And it was those sorts of things. And I'd go to the, the buyer and, and I'd go, okay, here are my products. 
and they go and I go it's twenty nine ninety five um, and they go love it Nat perfect okay now you need to make it nine ninety five and can you put that in a those in a plastic um, container and that needs to be in a plastic box and then you need to put these in a plastic tray so they stand in the shop and then we need to put the whole lot in a plastic Cellophane, yeah. yeah and then we need to so by the time and it happened the same with every store and we need to have a margin of whatever it was yeah. and so in the end my beautiful product once it got to shelf um, was 9.95 was filled with crap because I needed to get the price down. And you would buy the product, give it to an excited little girl who would rip up all this plastic, yeah. use it for a week and it would all break. Yeah, right. And, and I would go to the department stores at Christmas time and stand there and watch people taking my product off the shelf. Because for me, as a small cosmetics manufacturer, all that mattered was that product got off the shelf and into the trolley. So I would be there next year. And so I would watch who's buying my product, how fast was it getting off the shelf. Well, you'd let you stand in David Jones. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, not David Jones. It would be like Target or Kmart or yeah, right. Priceline or Big W. Just peering over the... Yeah, just standing there going, <laughs> oh, that's really going yeah. well. Um, and But looking at that, at the week before Christmas to see this crazy Christmas frenzy. I don't know what happens to us at Christmas time where this yeah, overconsumption, yeah. people go nuts and no one cares what they put in their trolley. They just need to, you know, yeah, get, tick get a list. Get down the list of yeah, all the people they need yeah. to buy a present for. And you'd see trolleys just absolutely full. And I didn't think about it at the time because all I cared was my product got mm. off the shelf. But it really has stuck with me this vision of what happens to us in affluent society mm. around Christmas time and mm. this how that props up over consumption but I once I was getting the point on climate change I was you know I, I was looking at myself at what I was doing I did not care about my product all I cared was it got off the shelf mm. I didn't care about the, you the integrity or, and sort of yeah and I didn't care about the waste. I didn't care about the crap. I just needed it. But you it still to cared about Natalie? Yes, but Natalie was falling apart because I had to, I was consumed yeah. by making this over here yeah. work. And so even though Funny Natalie I loved, it wasn't, it didn't, I wasn't giving it the attention it needed. Yeah. And so in the end, um, I just, yeah, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it, you know. And, and also, in 2006, I was getting the point on climate change and, um, and I had this epiphany. And it was the moment I had the epiphany that I realised, you know, it was... And Natalie was really, you know... It, I'd been in it for 24 years and as a family... It's business, a long I, time should have sold it at the 10 year mark yeah right <laughs> but you never know when to get out but anyway it taught me a lot um, doing it and but the thing is when I started One Million Women it was the total opposite of Natalie uh, mm. because my not Natalie itself but as a, as a business my brain was always about how do you get someone's product off a shelf 
so I could get mine on. It was all about being secretive about your ideas. Yeah, your secretive, and, yeah, yeah, totally secretive. And it it wasn't you weren't coming from a place of generosity. Yeah. You're coming and honesty and transparency. You just were coming from a place of I'm a small business. I have a family and I need yeah. to make money, yeah. which is fair enough. Yeah, yeah, totally. But you can, when I started One Million Women, I had to unpack a lot of that, um, the secret, like One Million Women is about collaboration, it's yeah. about sharing, yeah. it's about... Yeah, you're not going to get very far if you still have that mentality. It, of, yeah. yeah, and for a few years, really, three years I think it took me to truly unpack the, the 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 that side of how I used to operate. Right. Yeah. So it was interesting. And once I finally unpacked it all, it gave me this sense of freedom about mm. how 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 one can work. So did that? Were you still? Was the um, cosmetic stuff still going simultaneously? The one million William starts to to rise, or I just sold it. You just sold yeah. it, and then how much of a gap is there between selling that and then having that kind of thought process? Well, um, I started, I got the point on climate change around the middle of 2006, so, you know, a little over a decade ago, a bit more now, but, um, and it took me, and I started One Million Women in 2009, Mm. and so it actually took two and a half years to pull together. And during that time... Did you even know what you were no, doing? Like, none. No, I didn't. I didn't know... So amazing. How, I didn't know who the environment minister was at the time. I didn't know any climate policy. I didn't know how to start a movement. I didn't know anything. You're probably being asked to like speak on that sort of stuff now, right? Like, yeah, yeah, it's funny. But I think um, the not knowing is the, was the better way for me because not knowing what I was getting myself in, into, yeah. I was a bit unaware and, and naive because I honestly thought, like, I, I, this is embarrassing, but I thought it would take, it used to take me six months to create a cosmetics brand from... from Go to work. Yeah, from concept to shelf. Right. Six months. Honestly, you know, when I know how urgent... And how much the planet needs us, and I thought, okay. I'll sort this out. I'll <laughs> leave it to me, guys. I'll fix, right. fix it in three. How can this really be? <laughs> uh, give me six months. Yeah. I'll have this all sorted, yeah. and um, and that took two and a half years, right. which was good because you know, of course. But then I thought naively, how hard going to be to get a million women? I'll, I'll do that in six yeah. months. So that was, I think, at because that Because you're point, setting yourself up there by calling it One Million Women, yeah. right? You're like, fuck, I've got to get there. Yeah, I've got to get there. And when I was thinking, what do I call this? Um, and it wasn't just me, because when I started One Million Women, I had this extraordinary group of women. Right. And men. And men. not Of course, not just women, but I had this extraordinary group that, came with me on this journey and are still with me on this journey everybody just old friends or family or people that I um, I actually there was a, a couple of 
really close friends, but others were women that were advised to me, like um, just incredible women that either already worked in the space or worked for women's rights or... Mm. I, I actually didn't know anything. In fact, when I would have meetings with a lot of these women who are honestly my dear friends now, I love them all. Sometimes at meetings I would sit there with my... I, like, I would just be in a sweat because we'd you be going... Like out, out of your depth. Yeah, of and we'd, we'd go through lists of who we could have on as ambassadors. Right. And I would, each time we did it, I would think they're going to say people I honestly don't know and I'm going to have to sit there and Google, Google without them seeing me Googling and then yeah. going, that's a good that's idea. A, yep, <laughs> yeah, no, let's put her on the yeah. list. She's great. Oh, it was honestly such a... Um, you know, so but you, then they you, all you really got, it for a little while, and then everybody. Guys, I don't know anyone. Yeah, they any. just all got. They honestly, every we all just loved each other, and there was so. It, without them, I think, they they were all my mentors and right. all guided me in such a way. Um, uh, and yeah, they're all of them are still part of it today, and 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 we launched it. Um, the, at Sydney Uni on the 19th of May in 2009 we had 300 people in the room and all of them had been part of One Million Women in, right. in some way to get us yeah. to this point we, you know, I raised money we got ambassadors um, who were your ambassadors back then? back then we had um, like, um, who still are but um, Margaret Fulton was right, one of my right, ambassadors right. who was actually on stage at the launch and Katie Noonan and I I know Rachel Ward was one of our ambassadors oh, really? but she was a little like a couple of years in we did this right. big um, barrier reef right. um, I, I'm declaring the reef in danger campaign where we were sending a letter to the World Heritage Committee about we got 70,000 signatures yeah, right. and um, we had we had about 10 ambassadors that year and, and wonderful um, Rachel was one of them but um um, but we had, yeah, there was um, Penny Wong and Tanya Plibersek. Um, we had, who else? Melinda and Schneider, who's a country and they singer. they just sort of, I'd imagine they just put their hand up straight away, wouldn't they? Everybody. Yeah. Everybody put their so hand good. up. There was not, because it, it was, I think when One Million Women started in 2009, we were actually pioneering again. Yeah. Because when I got the point on climate change it was this really weird kind of set of circumstances and it was in 2006 um, Al Gore's Inconvenient Truth came out and it was um, was such a powerful movie it was the first time you know a movie actually talked to the mainstream Mm. about climate change and about humanity Mm. and what people can do and um, and and it was there was ferocious bushfires happening at the time, which I mean nothing like today, but yeah. they were bad. And um, and there was, I was doing a lot of things that were bringing me to my epiphany. And um, one of them was my husband, who actually works in the environment space, had written a book called The Third Degree. And he was asking me, as someone who is not was not engaged, was it resonating with me? So I became personally invested in 
changing sentences because I couldn't understand what he was right. talking about. And, which is another story too because... Or just the language he was using or the... Yeah, the yeah, language right. and right. and that, you know, you've gone over my head. Right. This is the problem. You go over people's heads. Yeah, this right. is the problem with the the, right. the too, environment too, industry. Too, and, um, in-depth or wordy or yeah, yeah, too whatever complex. that is. Yeah. You've lost me. Yeah. I'm back because to... Because the whole idea is that you you capture the attention of as many people as possible. Yeah. Not the intellects or the people who are already prescribed for that, you know. Like. That's right. And at the time, um, it was we were still being taught what climate change is all about. Um, I know, I mean, Murray, my husband, in 1998, as a journalist for the Sydney Morning Herald, wrote an article for The, the Good Weekend which got given six pages, front right. cover, right. saying all I want for Christmas is a Great Barrier Reef. Right. And it was, um, and he flew over the reef. That was the first time that the coral bleaching was like, so... Maybe 25 years ago. Yeah. yeah right. and, and, you know, so he's he's been in this for so long. And, and that's why that is a story in itself, because what is it with, with us, with people that we can go off to work to do our jobs. Mm. Like for Murray, go off to work to save the world or mm. whatever. Mm. But you come home and it's business as usual. Mm. And that's quite you know, a curious thing. Mm. And uh, once I was getting the point on climate change, it, I just couldn't believe that I was, I didn't even have recycling sorted or mm. cared. And, um, well, I think for most of us, it's this. You feel disarmed because the enormity of the the scale of the topic. Yeah. That what can little old me do? Exactly. Like, so you just go, oh, okay. Well, surely someone will think of some clever innovation to move us forward. Yeah. And so it it removes it from the individual. Oh. I think we're at a point now that I feel like there's. There's been a tipping point. Yeah. That more and more individuals are, are causing change within their own household. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. You know, without a doubt. Because that's what you spoke about at the lunch. Yeah. Which really resonated with myself and Till. It's yeah. That, it's that do what you can, I think, yeah. were your words. Yeah. thereabouts. Like, do whatever you can. It might not mean that you can all start up a, a movement. Movement, that's right. You know, and it's not realistic to think that yeah but if you can do these little things from twice a week or yeah. daily or whatever it is and it might be you know sorting out your recycling or be more diligent around that or or look after your food waste or take a breath when you buy something and ask yourself do you really need it or there's yeah. just so much that we we can do and um that and that's right and your and what i love about matilda is to see the joy and um, energy about wanting to change this mm. and that and knowing that, you know what, none of us are perfect mm. but and, and feeling um, okay about that because what happens, and, and I think that this is what happened to me, this is, my story is so familiar. It really is. Not, not. I don't mean we all started. I know, yeah. I don't mean that bit. I don't mean that bit. I just mean... But the segue into... Yeah. The, yeah. Because empowerment 
doesn't need to come in some huge form. Yeah. And I, I used to lack, and I still do, but I used to lack a lot of confidence. And I used to be so worried about what people thought about me mm-hmm. and so worried about, um, about what I said and if I said something stupid or mm-hmm. is someone judging me? Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know enough about a subject, so I'm just going to keep quiet. Or, yeah. And I think or that... Skirt around it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and it's... And I know that affects... Because that, that's a lot of... That's ego, right? That's ego getting in the way of... Absolutely. ...you sharing exactly what you want to share and exactly in the manner that you want to do yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So did that just sort of dissolve well, over time? Yes, like, because it actually... So before I started One Me and Women, that was, that was me. And, but, and I think that... Um, regardless of the subject, I think a lot of us we go from um, we we don't act on something for the fear of not knowing enough about it. And so, when you don't know enough about something, it is so much easier to do nothing. So, when it came to climate change, I did not understand the complexities of climate change. Who does? I mean, we now we all know a lot more. We're getting up to speed, yeah. Yeah, but back then I didn't understand it, and I didn't understand the language, and I didn't, I didn't know. I felt powerless as one person, like you were just saying. You mm. know, mm. when you're one person, how significant can you really be? And um, and so I just did nothing. But I, the the thing that and I said this at. Uh, when, when I was talking at that lunch was I got my electricity bill down and I did it by just being vigilant around the house I didn't change much in my life at all I just was more careful with mm. the way we consumed electricity inside our house and I, without having to spend a cent without having to change my lifestyle without, without having to laugh less or live less laugh joyously less I made a difference. I got my electricity bill and I saw that I had saved 20% electricity. And it showed on the bill that it was this much carbon pollution and this much money. Actually, although it was a year of little things leading up to an epiphany, that is what did it. Because I went, did I just do that by actually no one even noticing I like I, we were just being careful around the house and I did that imagine if millions of us did that mm. actually I'm quite powerful as one yeah, person right. wow and I didn't I didn't even know what climate policy was in at the time I just did something around the house that is actually what prompted this shift of it, 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 it's the the early thought that started One Me Women because I thought if I could, what, what could I do next? You know, what's yeah, so next? So you got the electricity bill yeah. down. Like what's yeah. what's next? And I followed the theme of waste. So, and when I've been studying behaviour changes, because One Me Women really deeply researches. Um, how we profoundly change the way we live, how we make it stick, what moves us from one action to another, 
what takes us from something very tiny to um, using our vote? What, what shifts us from a small action to putting rooftop solar on? What is that lifestyle journey that makes us go from something little to using every dollar we spend or invest or divest for the planet? What is that pathway and how do we share that with others and how do we move people from this place of not knowing what to do to feeling incredibly powerful? We, that's what we do at One Million Women and I'm telling you that because... Oh, because if you go back to that moment where I went, I just got my electricity bill down, you would think that the natural path would be, okay, what can I, what else can I do with my electricity? Should I be looking at my washing machine or have I got the right appliances? Or, But instead I just hooked on to the word waste. I went, that was, I just reduced waste. Okay, where's... Where's the waste in my life? Yeah. Food. I had so much food waste. I, I used to fill a bowl um, on my table with tomatoes because the red of the tomatoes... Good. Yeah, with, against... Matched the curves. Matched a, 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 a painting. Right. And I loved it. I could walk in so the house... So it last about five, yeah. four or five days. <laughs> and then I'd get props. more tomatoes. Like, really? <laughs> and so good. But... But that's what I did. And, and so I thought, okay, how do I reduce my food waste? And I got a couple of worm farms. Take the and painting down. <laughs> well, don't worry about the tomatoes. <laughs> but, you know, this is something that um, I'm so looking forward to talking to you about because as a chef, you must think about all these things about, about food and um, just how much of the... the, the the, the item you can use and yeah. and and so for me I did not care and food waste is such a, a big part of carbon pollution because where does that food go it just goes into land yeah. and it creates methane gas which is actually more potent than right. you know it's a really right. potent um, greenhouse gas but yeah but so well, I mean what can because Till and I have you know we've, we've got the the space and the means to do a compost here but where we where we were previous you know I've sort of lived in many places over the last sort of what I'm trying to say is I've, I've had compost in the past yeah but in between then and now I've lived in apartment blocks places with no gardens or like um, so it's not sort of practical or realistic for many of us to like but I remember, and I don't know whether they still exist, Bokashi beans, yeah, like the yeah. Japanese... Yeah, so there's yeah. those. The people... Yeah, people yeah, use right. them. We, we do lots of blogs on yeah, Bokashi right. buckets. but And also worm farms. Yeah. In like a worm farm, yeah. our, I've got two worm farms, and honestly they take up this much space, they don't smell, um, and you can just have them there on, the, on your veranda. Um, but even before They've you get... They've got to be in the shade, is that right? No. No, okay. I mean, mine are... Um, well, yeah, I guess mine are in the shade. And can I ask, back to the compost? Yeah. Because I read somewhere that it's okay to put cardboard in the compost. In the compost, So yeah. I, I was doing my... I was ripping up my egg cartons and stuff. Yeah. And then I, I was like, oh, great, because we, we don't 
um, obviously get bags from the, the groceries, we just chuck it all in the pot. So yeah, a couple of yeah. big boxes a week. I was like, great, well, I can now chuck them in the compost. So I did that maybe around Christmas time, but it slowed everything. Did it, yeah. It's kind of like stalled the process of composting. Yeah, I yeah. and I think um, it's almost like you're, you've got to understand your own compost. Yeah, Because right. some composts probably can, others can't. Right. I mean, I never, I was never successful with compost. Right. Never. That's why I got um, a couple of worm farms. Who right. act, and actually that has, that has literally. So it's the same process, all your, all your yeah. waste from your dinner. Yeah, go. All your clippings, your trimmings and stuff, just go in, as they would in the compost, they go to your worm farm. Yeah, not, not clippings and trimmings, but food or food waste and not meat yeah that's that, what I mean yeah yeah, 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 yeah. exactly yeah. so that was what worked for me and um, but also looking at the way that I managed <clears throat> food you know I never went shopping in my own fridge like I used to never went shopping in my own fridge <laughs> shopping so, in your own so you know like looking what you've got left yeah, over and, right. and try to be creative and make a meal out of it so that you, you can avoid food yeah. waste like well, that, that's a bit of a, a skill to have, I think, to be able to, you know, Whip you, you're, one, you're one day away from the big that, shop, yeah. but you go, okay, well, I've got a stick of celery, I've got half a chicken, like, yeah, and so it's yeah. quite a skill, yeah. and I think probably for a lot of people that's, um, or they consider it beyond their kind of capabilities, but... Yeah. You know, I think cooking, you know, I talk about this quite a lot, is just, if you're unfamiliar with it, you just need to apply yourself like you would to any new craft or skill. Like, it just comes down to practice, practice, practice. practice. Yeah. And soon enough, in a short period of time, like, yeah. you've got, you know, you're armed with a menagerie of, of, of recipes up your sleeve. Yeah. And so... But you, but it, you are absolutely right. It's about um, practice because... Um, the more you're cooking and the more you, you know, feel confident about I can just pull this out of the fridge and I mm. can whip something up, the better you become at it. And, yeah. and, and it becomes, um, you know, it comes to the front of your mind. And, and instead I would just leave everything in the fridge, buy new food because I wanted to cook this specific meal on a Friday night. Yeah. Or, um, and, um, and, and then... And then go, oh no, look at all my wilting herbs. <laughs> and, and then and then I'd throw a lot of it in the worm farm once I got a worm farm. But that's not the solution either. You don't, you've got to reduce the food yeah. waste by being just being smarter about how you manage the food from when you go shopping. I mean, I don't need to tell you this, but this is what I had to learn, you know, where you, when you go to the shops, to kind of have some idea of what you want to do for the week. Mm. If, um, I mean, we have a madhouse at home, and no one knows who's around when and yeah. when someone's going to be home. And Are all, all your kids still at home? I've got two at home at the moment, but they come and go depending on... Right, how hungry when, they are. <laughs> that's right, when, when money needs to be saved. And, yeah, you know, right. Back home they come. But my, my youngest son, you know, hasn't... He's just finished school, so he hasn't left home yet, but... Yeah. Um, but and he cooks. He loves cooking. Right. He'd love you because he loves to cook. He That's loves so to. Great to yeah, hear. 
yeah, to make his own. He's not very good at cleaning the kitchen yet, but he loves yeah, to cook. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When, he, when he lives on his own, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, and he's a really good cook. Yeah, right. But... Because um, I feel like we've lost... There's been a disconnect between generations sharing recipes and tricks and tips. Yeah. And I think there's a whole many many reasons for that yeah so it's it's lovely to hear that your son loves cooking yeah, yeah. he really does and I think it could be um, you know fast food mm. um, is is so much a part of our lives yeah oh it's like it's well yeah it's beyond fast food now it's kind of an age of ultra convenience where after you know two or three taps of your app, yeah, you've got food on your you doorstep. Food, yeah, it's that's right. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, there's a time and a place for that. I think it's if you're overstretched or you you know really push for time. Yeah, I think there's, it's great that that's there. Yeah, but it's when that starts to crowd out time for cooking with real food and yeah. love in your own kitchen. Like that's that's the trouble spot. Yeah, and and that love in your own kitchen is such a beautiful thing because I think. This is all about the love of earth and the love of, you know, the appreciation of, of life. And mm. food brings with it love and conversation and laughter and joy and all those things, mm. you know. And, and what, what could be more beautiful than cooking something mm. and with, with sharing, your family and yeah. friends and sharing... And what comes with that is, yeah. you know, organic conversation. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's that's been currently being rudely interrupted, I think, or severed with the age of ultra convenience and fast food. But also, we're not really sitting around the dinner table anymore. Everyone's on their device. I was say, or and technology. Yeah, you know, we went to the pub last night, Isaac and I, because we we're blacked out. And uh, my son and I, because we've got you know, no electricity, you but didn't, you um, didn't pay bill. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> You've really got that bill right yeah, down. right yeah. down now. But anyway, yes, because of the wild weather. But um, um, I, it was interesting to see people at the pub with the yeah. with the sports on, but uh, everyone just on their. And so Isaac and I turned our phones over and put them to the side. So. We could just talk, yeah. and um, and it's hard not to look at your phone to yeah. see then what email just came in. Yeah. Or, but it's so. Yeah, I mean, important. I'm guilty of that. Yeah, I we're mean, all I've, guilty of that. I've come off. I've come off social media. I mean, I when I need to post, I'll, I'll jump back on, but it's not on my phone anymore. Yeah. Instagram or Facebook because it's so habitual that you you're checking. You know, fifty times a day. Yeah. And when you check, you might there for a few minutes and it's like that's actually time away from you know interacting with my wife my sons yeah or you know progressing with work like yeah. it's just it doesn't serve you in any way shape or form yeah it's such yeah. a uh, time suck an it, energy suck yeah that's right and it um and it's just it's just that's that's why you know being present and um and, and all these things whether it's cooking or it's you know, walking through a rainforest or just down the beach or smelling the fresh air or mm. oh, maybe not so fresh in Australian bushfires at the moment. But it all those things are so important to the senses and to um, yeah. our place in this, this earth. 
But you know, oh sorry, I was going to say, uh, one thing which I was saying just before, which I didn't finish on, was this thing about confidence. Mm. Because when I got my electricity bill down, and I, um, I saw how powerful I was, and did all these things like food waste, and overconsumption, and, and then, okay, then yes, I started One Me and Women, but the thing was, it was this journey of empowerment, and that I realised that one small action that showed this real result led me to another action that showed a result, to mm. another that showed a result. Yeah. And You're layering that kind of empowerment. Yeah, yeah. And, because, and empowerment brings with it your confidence. Mm. It brings with it your voice and then your ability to influence other people mm. um, in a confident way yeah. and your ability to shift mindsets because you're acting yourself. And, and that's why I was saying I love watching the energy with Matilda because, mm. um, and it's not that we're doing everything, we're mm. just doing what we can, but it's leading her to want to use her voice mm. and... And, and her strength, and you her know, strength. her skill set. Because we, we, we do try and do what we can. Yeah. I'm sure there's lots of room for improvement. But she was, to your to your point, empowered by what you said at that luncheon. And there was many great speakers on the, on the subject of climate change. Yeah. But it was actually yours more so than anyone's that really resonated with her. And it's like, you know, we don't have the money to... To donate and yeah. fund projects, but what can what can she do? Yeah, and she's a filmmaker and story writer. An, you know, an like, honest and raw yeah. story, you know, storyteller. Yeah, and um, and that that gift to be able to share that and have the same impact on somebody else who's thinking, mm. what can I do? That's 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 what it's all about because that ripple that ripple mm. and that ripple that that we need to because climate change sadly is it's it's urgent you know mm. it is it's affecting us all right now it's not something that mm. is in 2050 it, it's actually look just look what mm. look what's happening in our poor country you know that the bushfires and with it, it it is affecting us all now. And so I think the a question you asked me earlier, which is, you know, we all, or, or, or something you said, which is we all get this now, we're getting the point. It is really true. When I started 10 years ago, we were, we were trying to understand um, climate change and how you live and its effect and where that goes. And it was really trying to teach that. Whereas now everybody, um, not everybody, but... Not this everybody. is a personal story, you know. Yeah. We're on our watch, you know. We're yeah. seeing the Great Barrier Reef, yeah. You know, dying. Well, to, to your point earlier, you kind of, because this is your lane, you can sometimes you be you can be empowered and, and um, feel positive about the collective, and sometimes forget that not everyone is got their ears pricked up or cognizant of what's going on. Yeah. Um, because I, I happened to be listening to somebody else had it on um, 2GB 
think I've got that right. Yeah. Ray Hadley. Yeah. Not ever listened to him, but yes. He was asking. He he was just his his rhetoric was, it's all bullshit. Yeah. And people were calling in. You know, he had a string of callers sort of supporting his opposition to climate change and. There's a whole band of people that, you know, and I don't know whether the MO for that radio station or that presenter is just to be provocative, and if that's the case, if it's just merely to be provocative, you're stopping the message getting to those people because you're seeding enough doubt that destabilizes that, you know, like if if there's an element of doubt, people aren't going to, or people may not fully subscribe to something yeah They're that's like, oh, right I don't know like I don't know about climate change do you know what I mean yeah, like, exactly and that that's really frustrating if that's yeah. their MO like if, if they truly believe that climate change is nonsense then that's another thing but if it's just to be you know a bit of a shit stir and a, and a bit provocative then it stops stops us moving forward yeah you know? it's, it's really dangerous mm. um and, and if it's not that radio station or that host, uh, I apologise. Yeah, it probably, it probably <laughs> is. It probably is. Um, yeah, I um, there is this. There's a there's a couple of things because you know you can go from denial, and then you could go, and which I've seen too, which is you go from or you you stay in denial, which is one thing, or you go from denial right through the despair. And um, right. and then you miss. So you go from this isn't happening to fuck. Yeah. You know, there's nothing I can do about yeah. it anyway. And there's this big piece in the middle, which is this act piece, right. and which is where we need to stop. We need to either not be in denial, not go to despair, and we have to stay in the middle, and we have to be there in some way. And, um, and I see there's three kind of groups. There's the leaders, you know, the people that are the climate warriors that have always been the climate warriors that are just, they're doing everything. Mm. To the leaners, which is the biggest group, which is the group that we are trying to reach, which is the group I was in. Mm. because And it's the group that cares about the planet. Um, and they may not even know they care about the planet. They just care. And they either understand climate change is happening, but they don't know what to do and how do they have a voice or how do they influence, or they don't even know that they know that, like they, but they're in that yeah. group. That's the most important group to, I think, that we all need to influence. And the laggards, the Ray Hadleys, or whoever sits in that, I just think you forget them. And there is no time to... And that group actually is getting smaller and smaller. Mm. It's, and their voice is getting... And I know he has a strong voice. And I know I've never listened to 2GB, but I... Unless <laughs> yeah. I've accidentally got it on because we're driving somewhere and you can't get some, you know, like in well, the middle this, of... This was on the radio uh, with a builder doing some renovations uh-huh. here. And yeah. I like, oh, it was actually... Pre, pre-dating that conversation I had with him, it was it was when the, all the kids were doing the the rally. The rally. They're having yeah. days off it's, school. That's right. Yeah. And he was. Really. He, he said that to his kids, he's got two kids, that it's a load of nonsense. It's full of, it's 
yeah. you know, climate change is rubbish, you're going to school. And and I guess to my point earlier, it's like, oh my God, it's the first time in, as far as I can remember, yeah. that somebody's a, you know, hasn't conformed to the convention of, conventional wisdom that there's, yeah. you know, a problem here. So it's like, it was quite confronting. I'm like, what are you talking about? I know. Right? And it, it actually, it, it, it hits you out of nowhere because because you do you you, you honestly think how could anybody mm. not think that this is happening you know 98 percent of the world's scientists mm. are saying yeah. yeah and it just you know what more evidence yeah. does somebody need and and that's why I think that that group of people um, don't worry about we it don't, we don't I, we don't spend you're not trying to yeah second. trying to convert them no. but that middle group yeah they're the, that's the group but the, the most dangerous group that I think and, and maybe he is part of this group is the group that really knows that there's a problem politicians that know that this is a problem and do not have the courage to do something about it. And I think they're the most dangerous group um, that we as leaders and leaners mm. need need to influence and need to change because... Um, what, what's, what would you say is their resistance to really leading from the front sticking their neck out is it is it all that convoluted relationship with coal and industry that yeah you know has been set in stone for yeah, the generations generations and it is um you know the the coal industry is such a powerful industry and you know we have a prime minister that actually held up a piece of coal mm-hmm. in parliament saying coal is good for yeah, nothing to worry about yeah for humanity and we also had one before that bit into an onion like an apple. Yeah. What's going on here? I know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, that one. Do you remember? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh. But you know what? We had one in the middle that I really believed was going to be courageous. And yeah. um, and and he, he couldn't do it. And so um, we, it, it needs... It, this is... We, we don't have a big window yeah. to turn it around and yeah. it needs you all don't of us. have that luxury. It needs all of us, you know. It needs us as individuals doing what we can and using every dollar, making sure that our money isn't in banks that invest in fossil fuels, to do our research on that. just It takes three minutes to switch your bank mm. to, to a bank that... that, that Will yeah, not any superannuation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, those are two big things mm. that we can do. Mm. Um, and everything that we do as individuals, mm. as households, as communities, mm. we, are, we become more powerful oh, yeah. as, a, as, as, a, as individuals and as a collective. And then we take, all, we take that all the way. Like if, 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 if my, going back to my cosmetics, if, if my products that had layers and layers of packaging were left on the shelf to gather dust, I would not be in the supermarket the next year or mm. the department store. 
And as consumers, we have that power. We have the power to say, I'm not buying this product. Mm. I'll buy this one because it has no packaging. Mm. Or I'll buy this one because um, it has, you know, mm. it was not sourced from palm oil. Mm. That, or I'm just going to buy, you know, fresh food and make Grow Scott Gooding's yeah. <laughs> recipes because they're Please. sustainable. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like, we have a choice with every single thing we yeah. do for the good of the planet. Yeah. And everything we do builds our voice and puts pressure on our local MPs to put pressure on our, you know, Prime Minister or we use it when we mm. vote. And, like, I thought the last election was the climate election mm. in this country and that didn't happen. Mm. And we can't allow that for the next election. Mm. And you know, and 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 I've been really thinking about where does one million women? You know, we we're now nine hundred fifty thousand. I was telling you before our blog last year got four million views, and That's crazy. and we're and so it's really working out this year in twenty twenty. What do we do as this community of women? Yeah. And how can we influence, you know, um, change when it comes to voting? And, and regardless of what side of politics you're on, mm. what's your local MP doing? And, and, and that we do it all. You have to live climate action and you have to fight for it too. That's what I think our responsibility as citizens of this world is what we have to do. Yeah. I reckon that's a perfect way to end. <laughs> Thank you, Natalie. Yeah. So where, where can people find? So um, so One Million Women, we've got our website, which is just the number one, millionwomen.com.au, or yeah. our social media, which is our Facebook and our Instagram and our Twitter. But we've also got a new app that we've oh. just launched. And it's a really, it's a really, uh, it's a tool we've been working on for the last few years, but it's um, it's in real time, so you can see we've only just launched it. It um, it's had a lot of issues to yeah. get it to launch. It's anyway, um, but <laughs> that, we that's for another podcast. Yeah, that's right about technology yeah. and uh, developers. But um, but this it's it is in real time, so it shows you how many people. It's got daily actions. It's got oh. a real time map. It's got a live called? conversation. It's it's one million women, so oh, the number okay. one million women, and yeah, you right. find it. It's a free app that, right. and it is. It, it's so so the the whole concept of one million women is that we're building this movement. It's a lifestyle revolution. There's lots of touch points to be part of the movement. It's. You know, whether you join up on the website, you follow on social media, you download the app, you you come to an event or a workshop, it's mm. just... It's not doing all those things, it's, it's just doing being what you connected. can. Yeah, yeah. being connected and being part of the movement and... Um, um, yeah, so... Well, I look forward to hearing yeah. when you get to the one million mark. Yes, when, yeah. When do you reckon? Oh, uh, it'll be this year. It'll be whenever it'll um, be, I, I hope. Um, I hope it's in the next six months because... That way, I can say we've hit that target. Yeah, and you can retire. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, yes, so anyone listening, help, please help me get to a million yeah. women. Yeah. All right, well, thank you so much for your time, Natalie. My pleasure. So My appreciate pleasure. it.